Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. It's time for a look back on today's match. This is the full-time report with the voices of our Atlanta United, Mike Conti and Jason Longshore. The home for MLS in Atlanta. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Atlanta United with a 2-1 loss tonight to Orlando City in a sluggish performance really by both teams tonight. But Orlando City coming from behind and getting the game winner in the 60th minute from Duncan McGuire, his eighth of the year. Um, again, Atlanta United, at least to my eyes, looking very clearly tired uh, after the Wednesday night match and the heat and humidity in New England. The first half injury to Machop Chol disrupting, I'm sure, Gonzalo Pineda's substitution strategy. But um, still, it's not going to feel good, Jason, going into League's Cup on a two-game losing streak, knowing that you're not going to play another league game now for well over a month. August 22nd at Seattle will be the next league game for Atlanta United. Um, it's a tough week, and uh, Atlanta United, unfortunately, only able to earn uh, three of a possible nine points with all of they had to deal with this week. Yeah, I, I don't think it really matters the part about there's not another league game ahead because there's two big games ahead, and you want there to be more. I think I know it's easy to to completely separate League's Cup from the the league. Yes, the games don't count in the the league standings, but these are two big games, and they got bigger with the signing today. And we knew it was coming of Lionel Messi from Miami. That game's gonna be a really big deal for Atlanta United. Not this Tuesday, but the following. So really, not that different than a normal week of preparation. Get a couple extra days, a couple extra days off, which is probably really good for this team after the week that they've had to deal with. And then it's Tuesday to Saturday, which is a little bit shorter, but not awful, to play Cruz Azul here at home. And you'll know exactly what you have to get to advance in the League's Cup to a knockout game. And that's going to be a good opportunity to start getting you ready for the higher stakes that are going to be part of the rest of the way with 10 games left in the regular season after tonight. I don't think it's that the League's Cup is different because it will affect how you do when you get back to league play. Hopefully, you've got a few games between now and then, and you can keep building a rhythm, and you can start to incorporate new pieces like Tristan Muyamba, maybe other signings like Carlos Bocanegra told us in the pregame. You want to get those guys going. You want to go out and win both of those games in the first gr- in the first round in the group stage and start winning knockout games because then when you get into the postseason, you've experienced it. So, like, I, I don't think it's two separate universes. I think they're related, and 
Now you go into a Miami game, which was already a big deal because of the previous games with Miami. There's a little bit of an edge to this rivalry. Well, now they've got one of the most impactful players on the planet playing for Miami, maybe his second game for the club against you in that building. It's going to be turbocharged, the atmosphere. And then you come back and play Cruz Azul here, which that's going to be turbocharged. So you've got to take advantage of this. It's not a break. It's not a different world. It's an opportunity to get back right and build for that final 10 games. It's actually kind of interesting. We'll talk about this at the end tonight, but Cruz Azul not playing very well. Miami's bottom of table, yes, Messi coming in. So, I mean, it's an enormous wild card. But just looking at it on paper, Atlanta United, I think, has a, a real opportunity coming up here in League's Cup to do exactly as you said. Incidentally, if Atlanta United gets out of group, their next opponent might be Orlando. Yeah, very uh, well. That be. is a, a real possibility, and it would be played in Orlando. So you might be seeing these guys again in uh, about two and a half weeks. All right. Uh, Man of the match tonight brought to you by Heineken, and we'll go with the Atlanta United goal scorer, Caleb Wiley. Caleb Wiley, we talked about it in the first half. You wanted to see him get more involved, more on the ball, and he's able to read the play in that kind of broken sequence where where Miguel Berry puts in a great shift to keep the play alive, play it through to Chol. Chol scuffs the shot, mishits it, it's cleared off the line, but Wiley's in the right spot to make that play. I thought he did a really good job defensively on Facundo Torres as well. Facundo Torres, one of the most talented players in the league, really didn't have an impact on this game. Wiley was involved in five tackles, had an interception, did the job on both sides of the ball. I thought it was a good night, and you know Caleb Wiley is tired after this week. He put in a really good shift and gave Atlanta the lead. So Wiley now up to four goals on the year. He's the man of the match, brought to you by Heineken. The statistical recap brought to you by Piedmont, official health care partner of Atlanta United. Shots were 17-10 to 10 Atlanta. Both teams had four shots on target. Possession was 59-41 Atlanta. Uh, key passes were 8-8. The expected goals, 0.91 to Atlanta, 0.84 to Orlando. I think that stab more than anything signals how even this match turned out to be. Seven corners for Atlanta, one for Orlando. But I want to ask you this, Jason. Did the match tonight feel to you like a match where one of these teams committed 18 fouls? 18, 1 8, not 8 team fouls. No. Um, well, I agree, but Victor Rivas called Atlanta for 18 fouls tonight. Orlando with 13. And a lot of them came right at the end on inconsequential moments. Yeah, the, the Orlando ones were all pretty late. And there were a lot of advantage plays called where it, it, there wasn't a foul called. Atlanta tried to stay on their feet. And look, sometimes maybe to their detriment. I mean, you can say what you want about Tiago Almada, he, he gets hit. I don't know, 20 times a game easily. And he's never going down looking for a foul. Sometimes he should. Sometimes he might need to, to try to start to make a point of it because that's the part that frustrates me. Just to be clear, because I I know how these things go, Victor Rivas didn't affect the result of the match. He affected the game, and he affected the flow of the game in a negative way. And, And he's a better referee than that. That's what's frustrating about it. He felt like he was too emotional in the way that he handled the game. But when you see multiple times you're playing advantage, and he was very clear in signaling it, you're calling, you're not calling the foul, you're letting the play go. At some point, you've got to protect the player, and you've got to start throwing yellow cards. 
Here's Gonzalo Pineda. Was there a commonality in the defeat to New England and, and this defeat to Orlando? What, what do you mean? Uh, something similar in the two defeats. Oh. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. I think uh, uh, we face a good team. Uh, credit to Orlando. Uh, I want to give them credit. They did a good job. Um, I think it was an even game. We, for moments when we had the ball, were dangerous. When they had the ball, they were dangerous. Uh, little details for me were the difference. Um, we were ahead this time, winning the game, and then in a set piece, we consider a goal. Um, uh, and, and of course, that that took a little bit of, away the momentum that we were getting right after scoring the goal. So we couldn't capitalize that advantage. Um, and then in the second half, I felt like we tried, we tried, and then in a play where our back line was disorganized or not cohesive, it was all over the place in some moment, not high enough, a lot of space in between the lines, and then a little discoordination there in the middle of, of the back line, and then they get the second goal. After that, we, we chased the game. I think we put enough pressure on them. We put them back, and then we had a couple half chances, a couple um, opportunities to score goals, but we were not able. They did a good job at defending that. Uh, I think it was a very different game compared to New England. Coach, what do you think that goal is going to do for Caleb's confidence? I mean, it's been a while since he scored. Yes, for Caleb, it's amazing. I think it was a good, a good play overall. Um, I think uh, those were the moments where we were probably putting a little bit of pressure. And then I think uh, Caleb, with his speed and his power and his decision, um, uh, is going to get a lot of those. Um, so happy for him. He did a tremendous game. I think he had not just the goal, but had a very, very good game. So happy for him. Unfortunately, we couldn't, again, capitalize that advantage and then use it on our favor. And then from there, trying to score the second one with some momentum. And then and then the game should have been a bit easier. John? Do you have any, any uh, preliminary information on Machop Chol's injury? And then also just how he played? It seemed like he was really making things happen. Um, and what was lost when, when you lost him from the game? Yes, I felt he was having a very good game as well. He was very good in terms of uh, understanding when to stay in the pocket, receive turn, and then from there creating chances, runs in behind, a lot of energy. And then um, I think it was his foot, um, something in his right foot. Um, so still don't, don't know the magnitude of, of the problem. Um, I hope it's nothing severe because he's a very good player. He was doing a great job, and it certainly changed a little bit the game plan. You've got 10 days until your next game, and I think like five weeks until your next league game. Um, just broadly speaking, what do you? How do you want this team to improve uh, from this spot going forward? Well, no, number one, defensively, I think uh, you know we're missing for a long time. Miles Robinson, one of the best defenders in the league. Uh, we need to get him back to be with us, take some break because he was, it, it was tough to be that long with the national team. He missed a lot of games, so he, he needs to reintegrate a couple of the signings. Of course, we are hoping that Tristan can be soon available with visas and all that and integrate into the system. Um, and if there is any other signing coming soon, I hope we can integrate it uh, soon enough. So then. Uh, 
you know, we can have the full squad available because, yeah, today we, we kind of had it, but Jakub wasn't 100%, Ossie wasn't 100%, Miles wasn't 100% to play. Um, and we lost already three players, three important players, Luis Araujo, Andrew Goodman, Franco Ibarra. So it's almost like feeling like six six very important players down. So we need to come back, bring Jakub again, feet, Miles feet, Aussie feet, and then the, the new signings coming. So then hopefully we can get a little bit of integration there, having a very good uh, league scope. Um, and from there, after that, um, in September, I'm sorry, in August, start the last 10 games of the season and ramp it up to be top four. That's the objective. And um, well, we have to work a lot because there are certain little details that still were missing and we've been working, working. I hope with the new personnel we can we can improve. Gonzalo, uh, you change formation and then you have two consecutive wins followed by two consecutive 2-1 losses. Do you feel like opponents... Sorry, I couldn't understand that part. Sorry. Yeah. You, you change formation and you win two consecutive games followed by two consecutive 2-1 losses. Do you feel like other teams are figuring you out tactically? And uh, my second question is, do you think you're going to stick with that three at the back formation or are you going to look to change uh, during this interim kind of break from league play? Well, number one question maybe I have to reflect on that. I have to reflect in if, you know, some of the tactics of New England um, were really effective or it was more individual mistakes or it was more the shape. Right, I feel like the first goal, for example, of New England, it came out of a bad angle to defend the cross. We were ahead of the of the of the winger, and then from there we allowed the pass, a bad clearance, and then no one blocking the shots. So is that bad shape or is individual mistakes? Right, um, and then today's goal, the first one, it was a set piece. The second one was kind of a transition moment in the second ball, in there, and they break us through the middle, and then they start the sequence from there. So I feel like. Um, it, it, it the the shape in some ways is not as important as the awareness and the individual defending and and the little details that that make ha, we have to have to be solid defensively right the angles the speed of approach uh, winning the duels uh, dropping the line when we need it be cohesive so again I told you this since it was working I told you this when we were the back five was working I said the back five is nothing if we don't have that full commitment defensively so again I don't think it's a matter of a shape where I will reflect on, you know, uh, what is the best shape moving forward to have balance. For me, it's very important the balance is attack well, defend well, and uh, and I hope that again, bringing everyone together, we can have that cohesion to be balanced. Okay, Gonzalo Pineda's thoughts after his team's 2-1 loss to Orlando tonight. I, I think that last part's the the really big takeaway here, and I completely agree with Gonzalo like the the shape has nothing to do with the four goals that you've conceded in this shape that you go back to the two goals in New England it's uh, a clearance that falls to Polster it's a great hit from Polster you can get into how the cross was defended and that's absolutely part of it but great hit from Polster that's not about shape the second goal isn't about shape it's transition it, it, you're not shaped there, there's no shape it's transition where he'll beat Sosa Second goal tonight was transition, where you lose McGuire on the run. That's got to be handled better by Parata and Abram, but it's not about shape. The first goal tonight is a set piece. It's, there's no shape. It's nothing to do with shape. Shape didn't drive the two wins. 
it doesn't drive the two losses. For me, it's about the individuals that are involved that is the good or the bad thing about it. I think Abram has generally been very good over this stretch of play. Getting him into the team has helped. Getting Osvaldo Alonso healthy has helped. He might play a bigger role going forward. Figuring out what that combination is in the holding midfield once you're able to see Tristan Muyomba and who he might pair up best with if you keep this kind of a setup with a, a holding midfield duo and an attacking midfield duo. Now that's the one that I keep coming back to, and I've talked about it when they've won or when they've lost. That second 10, that's the potential game changer for Atlanta United. Getting Yorgos Yakamakis healthy and contributing, obviously, is a massive game changer, and you've been playing without him a lot this season. But that second 10, that can be the make or break spot in making this team dangerous going forward. You're better defensively now than you were earlier in the year. That's a good thing. I feel like it's better. It can still improve. But if you get that spot, if it's a player that's on the roster like Machop Chol, who I think has played it really well. Now you got to hope he's not out for an extended period of time. Tyler Wolf has played it well at times. I didn't think Derek Etienne really adjusted to that role when they were in that shape. If there's a signing that, that goes into that spot, that could change things. But that's the one to me. That's the make-or-break spot for this team that could hugely elevate them and allow them to play with one more defensive player than attacker. All right, we'll have the highlights coming up next. Atlanta United falling to Orlando City tonight 2-1 on the Full-Time Report, Sports Radio 92.9, the game. Back, 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 back to the Full-Time Report. Our United play here. Sports Radio 92.9, the game. All right, back of the bends. Atlanta United falling to Orlando City tonight, 2-1. And it is a two-match losing streak for Atlanta United heading into League's Cup, which will begin for Atlanta a week from Tuesday down in Miami against Lionel Messi and Inter-Miami here on Sports Radio 92.9. The game, Atlanta United wants to remind you that for each Atlanta United clean sheet this season, they'll donate $2,000 to Children's Health Care of Atlanta. This year's donation total currently standing at $12,000. The highlights of a sluggish match tonight really come down to the three goals, and it was Atlanta United that opened the goal scoring on a broken play in the 22nd minute. This is the hot play of the match brought to you by Scanna. This throw is intercepted, and it rolls to Almada coming down the left wing. Squared behind Barry at the top of the arc. Barry trying to run down the second ball. He does, and then pivots right in the middle. Dribbles to the top of the arc. Pops it ahead to Joel. Gillespie off his line. Joel with a shot! Cleared off the line, rebound, score! Caleb Wiley! Atlanta United gets the first goal on a broken play from Caleb Wiley in the 22nd minute. The work from Miguel Berry to keep that play alive, he didn't give up on it, ran around the defender who had initially taken the ball away. And then the scoop into the 18, that's a difficult pass to hit. It's, it takes a lot of moxie from Miguel Berry to pull that off. He did. Machopchol doesn't hit the shot well, but he gets it past Galese somehow. It's almost like a changeup that, that fooled the batter. Somehow it gets by him. It's cleared off the line, and Caleb Wiley's in the right spot 
from there, it looks like Atlanta's going to be in, in a really good position, maybe get some momentum, maybe get some energy out of this building, and Orlando did not waste any time. They did not, and I cannot waste any time by telling you that for over 20 years, Scanna Energy has made it easy for Georgians to receive the best natural gas rates and excellent customer service. Call 877 877- 467-2262 to sign up today. Yeah, Atlanta United, when scoring the first goal in this building, very, very difficult to come back and beat them over uh, you know the last six years. And I think a lot of that is credit to Orlando. Um, I, I'm just going to observe. I, I thought it was odd that there did not really seem to be a spike in energy in this building, maybe because the lead was only held for three minutes but um it, it was a jam-packed crowd tonight it at least up here in the booth it did not feel exceptionally loud to me but uh may, maybe i uh you know missed something because my headphones were on anyhow three minutes later antonio carlos gets the equalizer for orlando this was a really well worked set piece sent in by mauricio Pereira. Rea off the near touchline sending it to the back post header score golasso Beautifully executed free kick by Orlando City. And I believe in the crowd, it was Antonio Carlos finding the equalizer. It's a great header from Antonio Carlos. you got to get a body on him. You can't give him that clean of a look. And I think it was Chol and Abram who were the two closest to Antonio Carlos. But he had too clean of a, a run and look. He's able to elevate. He's not bumped. It's those situations, we talk about it a, a lot, where... You're not going to win every aerial duel. You're not going to get to it and get there first. That's just not physically possible. But the best defenders in those moments, the ones that they don't win, they have an impact on. And when you don't get a body at all to Carlos and he can see the ball coming in, go straight up and get power on the header, it's very difficult to stop those. And Antonio Carlos, first goal of the season, but a, a great header off the a good ball from Mauricio Pereira. So we were even at halftime, and then in the second half, Orlando created uh, the best scoring opportunity of the half until the very, very end and uh, converted in that moment. And it was a match that really came down to those moments tonight. Duncan McGuire from Mauricio Pereira to make it 2-1. Rolling it ahead to Pereira, who dribbles past the halfway line. It continues into the tacking third sent down the middle. Duncan McGuire, 1v the keeper, shot score. Orlando takes the lead in the 60th minute on Duncan McGuire's eighth goal of the year. The ball from Pereira is a good one, but it's the turn from McGuire. And it's something that if you are a young number nine, this is textbook. He's just able to turn his body. He's back to goal. He's facing the ball coming into him from Pereira. And he's able to spin to the right around Parata. Parata loses track of him in that moment. Abram's not there close enough to help defend it. So in that turn and spin, Parata's eliminated, and he gets into a favorable position on Abram. And from there, it's just finishing. But it's just a simple move, and it's something that all strikers have to be able to do. And Duncan McGuire, you know, you, you mentioned it in the first half. He didn't really see a lot of the ball. We thought Erchankara might come into the game. But for a striker, that's what you're measured by. It's putting the ball in the back of the net. You might have one opportunity. You need to score on that opportunity. And it's the movement that created that opportunity because the buildup, it's, it's nice. It's a good ball forward. 
but it's the turn. It's the turn from McGuire before he's even had the pass played into him that eliminates two defenders. Yeah, and I, I also think Orlando deserves a lot of credit because, you know, either through pure luck or player development, they have taken two center forward draft picks and turned them into uh, goal-scoring machines, quite frankly. Daryl DK and now Duncan McGuire. It's good scouting. Yeah. I mean, because it's not even much development, honestly. It's these guys walked in the door and started contributing straight away. I think McGuire faster than DK. A yeah. um, little bit older, which I think is a really good pickup and a good idea here for Orlando. I think the idea was for him to back up Eric Chankara and play a lot for OCB. But he just said, I'm not going to wait. And he's pushed the designated player to the bench. And it's plays like that that are, are keeping him in the lineup. He's got eight goals in his rookie season, scored over 20 in his last season in college. He's just a goal-scoring machine right now. Eight goals and eight starts in 840 minutes on the year. I yep. mean, that, that is very, very impressive. Uh, so credit to him. I mean, a lot of teams don't build through Super Draft for obvious reasons. Orlando, there's players. Give them credit. I mean, they have really, they've done a very nice job finding players in Super Draft. McGuire is another one. Chick Fil A is committed to helping fight food insecurity and is proud to partner with Atlanta United and Soldiers Angels to help tackle veteran hunger all season long. When an Atlanta United player successfully makes a tackle, Chick Fil A restaurants in Atlanta will donate 100 pounds of food to feed a military or veteran family in need for a month. For more information and to see how you can help, visit atlutd.com backslash community. Take some questions and comments on Twitter after this. Atlanta United losing tonight to Orlando 2-1 on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Back with more full-time report. A complete review of today's match on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. All right, Atlanta United, 2-1 losers tonight to Orlando City here at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Let's take a moment now to take some of your uh, questions and comments on Twitter. Uh, a couple of our um, commenters want to go back to what happened at halftime. Scott Feiler says, I agree totally about a card for the team that is getting to the pitch way too late, but it should be a red card or blow the whistle to start the game anyway. I don't think that's ever going to happen. But you have to give both teams the exact time to play to start, and if they're not out, that's on them. I agree. They, they've got to do something. And it's at least three times this season. This was the most egregious. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's been frequent here in this stadium. Yeah. I know that. It's, it's something where teams will do it to for multiple reasons to break up a team's rhythm to frustrate them make them standing out there waiting on you to waste time to to just be disruptive whatever it's happening way too often and it's something that like i I said about players sitting down when they're going to be subbed we get all these different initiatives or directives from the professional referees organization this needs to be a directive. It needs to be a, a memo that goes out to all the technical staffs around the league that you are going to get a yellow card if your team is not ready to play when the second half is ready to start. The clock counts down. You see it in your dressing room. You see it all over the place. You need to be ready. And if you're not, it needs to be a yellow card to the bench. Those accumulate and coaches miss games because of it. That's what it has to start with. And I think that would curb the behavior. It's just, it's got to be a, a talking point for the league. It's it's happening way too frequently. Uh, Joe Johnstone says he feels that Atlanta is still definitely a mid-table club. He is glad to see Yakimakis back on track for hopefully 
a speedy recovery. And he wants to know, was Revis's lack of control tonight merely an inexperience issue at this level? No, I'm, I'm going to come back to Rivas in a minute because I know there's a lot of Victor Rivas questions. And, and like, he did not cost Atlanta the game tonight. I think we no, agree. No, did he not. affect the game? Mm-hmm. He absolutely but, affected the way the game played, but he did not make any bad decisions that, that cost Atlanta a goal or gave Orlando a goal. No, that, that didn't happen. Come back to Rivas in a minute. Um, I, I disagree that they are a mid-table team. I, I think the Eastern Conference is not – straight up when you look at it in terms of what the mid-table means. I think the top seven teams in the Eastern Conference are all capable of winning the postseason and going to MLS Cup. I think there is a drop-off after seven. I I think the points reflect that, but I think there's a quality difference. But in that top seven, I think it's very even between those, and it's coming down to these little moments. Um, this summer window is going to be fascinating because you're going to see movement within that seven based off what they do in the window, either outgoing or incoming. You're going to see some changes. But Atlanta's right there with the rest of the teams in the East. I think Cincinnati so far this season has been the best. Now they're going to get their guys back from the Gold Cup. Beyond that, Nashville had been on a bad run of games here lately. They had dropped points. New England has had their ups and downs. They've been great at home over this season. I think it's wide open. And Atlanta's got to clean up these little moments because they've made too many mistakes to be at the top of that group of seven. But I I think mid-table, when you say that, you say they have no chance of winning the conference when you get to a playoff, in my mind. And maybe I'm changing a little bit of the meaning of it. But I think Atlanta can run through that table. But you want to pick up some points here that you've been dropping as of late. Nashville lost again tonight, 3-1 at Cincinnati. I I might throw an eighth team in there because Chicago won again tonight. And yeah. they are hot right now. Yeah. They, now they won at the death against Toronto. Yeah. Take everything with a grain of salt. Yeah. But uh, Chicago's on 32 points now for what it's worth. I'm I'm not buying them in that group of seven yet. But they could be the one, and I haven't really heard much about them in the summer window. There hasn't been a whole lot of rumors about Chicago. But they could be the one that maybe takes advantage if somebody falls out of that seven. Absolutely. They've yeah. been on a great tear. And Frank Lopez, you got to give him a ton of credit. No doubt. Uh, but Atlanta only five points out of third at the end of tonight. That's so why I, it's so crowded. That's why I feel like mid-table is saying there is a clear delineation between them and a team that's in third. And there's not. It's that narrow, and you look at the mistakes that have cost Atlanta United points. That's why they are. Mid-table, to me, not in quality. Not in quality, and you've got to clean up some of these mistakes to be higher in the table. All right, let's go back to Revis, and I'll, I'll throw Nathan yeah, probably Tuttle's quite a few things here. Well, I'll throw Nathan Tuttle into this because <laughs> okay. uh, he thought we were disagreeing a lot on the broadcast, and he wants to know if we discuss our arguments during commercial break. And just, <laughs> just so you know, yes, Jason and I, we do disagree from time to time, sometimes very frequently. We bicker occasionally. We do occasionally talk about these disagreements during commercial breaks, but uh, I obviously respect Jason's opinion. Jason respects my opinion i think um i think you might have detected there were a few uh, moments handled by the referee tonight that jason and i may not have seen the same way which i think is a testament to the job of being a center referee in this league 
being a lot harder than maybe we give it credit for. And, and I'll, I'll be the first one to say I am guilty of that sometimes, that uh, um, I, I don't respect enough the difficulty of the job that these center reps have. Yeah, there's multiple levels when it comes to, to referees. But the fact that we're both looking at the same game and there's fans looking at the game and we'll all have different opinions about something that happened that we all saw and interpret differently, that's soccer. And that's that's the game. And, you know, like I'm I'm personally I'm very glad that when you say something in play by play, if I disagree, you give me the latitude to, to disagree. And, and that's what it is, because that doesn't always happen. Um, but that's because we we see the game differently in different ways that I think the play that, that probably prompted that tweet was when Antonio Carlos went down easily, and I thought that Derek Etienne might have clipped his, his the back of his leg as Carlos was running over, and then he makes a lot of it. You didn't think that Etienne touched him. We only saw one quick replay in the booth. I don't know. I still don't know. Um, it's difficult. There, There's two different aspects to refereeing, and I try to separate them when we have this conversation. Um, I did a little bit of refereeing. I quickly realized when I was in college and was doing a little bit of refereeing that it was not for me. I was more on the coaching side, and as I, I, I did some of that at the youth levels, that was where my soccer brain was, was more of a coach. I did not like being a referee. Some people enjoy it and are very, very good at it. Calling fouls or calling a play like that, it's judgment. You have to judge, was it, it was an infraction committed? Was it enough contact, et cetera? It's a judgment call, and there's so many judgment calls in this game. It's, it's something that you have to understand that maybe the referee didn't get the best look. Maybe none of the other ARs got a good look at it. Maybe they're going a little bit by feel. It's also a play that if you get that wrong, it's not going to hurt anything. It's, it's, you can use that to try to send a message to the teams. That was my issue with Victor Rivas, that last part, the game management aspect of it. Every referee, no matter how good they are, is going to miss a call. They're not going to get a chance to see it. They're going to get, you know, screened. They're, they're not going to get that look. Or they're going to interpret it differently. And maybe they see the replay and it's different. Game management is a different conversation. That's how you use your cards. That's how you handle when the game is starting to bubble up, when teams are getting frustrated, when players start to dissent. The flow of the game. And I thought Victor Rivas really struggled with that. He's a young referee, but he's not that young. So I don't think it's purely that. I think he had a bad night. He did, if I'm not mistaken, he was the referee in El Trafico in front of 80,000 at the Rose Bowl. That assignment didn't happen by accident. He's a very good up-and-coming young referee. But today, I felt like he didn't manage the game well. He felt too emotional. And I don't like referees who handle the game that way. I think they add gasoline to fires that happen in the game. Almost every game is going to have fires that pop up. Good referees calm things down. They have a calming effect on the game. Rivas, in my opinion, tonight absolutely did not have a calming effect on things. I think he amped things up way too many times. And when you have that sequence, there were five fouls called on Atlanta in a row and maybe two or three advantage calls given when Atlanta was on the ball but the foul wasn't called. Atlanta was boiling over. Because everything they did with a foul was getting called, and Orlando was hitting people, and it wasn't getting called. It was advantage, but it wasn't much of an advantage. Mm -hmm. That's where blow the whistle, call it tight there, calm everybody down, and I think you have an even flow to the game after that. That's my issue with it. I don't get hung up. If he misses a call, he misses a call. 
I don't think he managed the game well, and it got further away than it should have from being even keeled. I also thought he got the out of time way oh, wrong. Oh, that part's in crazy. Both halves. Both that part's halves. crazy I mean, to me. Yeah, Machop Chol injured in the first half. He played only two added minutes, and I have no idea how he came up with five added minutes in the second half. Although, he did correctly after a time-wasting effort by Orlando in stoppage time, let it play out maybe the correct amount subsequently and it allowed Atlanta to take a free kick and a corner kick. He got so that, that right because when they showed five, there was, an, uh, and I was clocking it, it was 2.15, maybe a few seconds before that, before it got to 90, but 2.15 into stoppage time before the ball came back into play after the Yakamaki's incident where he got a yellow. That was two minutes and 15 that started stoppage time. He added that back and a little bit of change. There still should have been more stoppage time. Uh, the other tweet that we've gotten from a couple, a couple people, uh, a common theme here in the post-match, people wanting to know why Etienne and Mascara were selected as subs over Tyler Wolf tonight. I don't know, and I don't know if that question came up to Gonzalo after the match. Um I'm not sure. I think with Derek Etienne, what, well, Mosquera I think is easy. Mosquera, you did that when you're in a 4-3-3, and I think Mosquera in his 1v1s and trying to create opportunities as a true winger is going to be more dangerous in that situation than Tyler Wolf. The one that I thought might have happened was in the first half when Etienne came in when they were in the 3-4-2-1 to play next to Almada. Now, we've seen Wolf start in that in a couple of games here, and he was okay. He, he wasn't great. He was okay. I think Chole outplayed him in that role. I think that's why Chole got the start. But then Chole gets hurt. Maybe he thought that I need to see something different because what I've seen from Wolf in these past couple starts has been okay. Mm -hmm. It hasn't been more than that. It's just been okay. Derek Etienne's got to get going. And and it's it's with his production with this team, he's got to get going. I I think, really over these past maybe month six weeks, you've seen Gonzalo Pineda really try to get guys going, build confidence. So something he talked about it in media this week. I think Luis Abram, you've seen that, and it's been an increase. Ronald Hernandez, you've seen that. Derek Etienne, he gets back from Gold Cup. It hasn't happened for him yet, and they've they've got to either find a way to get more production out of him or you're going to have to have somebody else play in that spot that to and me, play those minutes. Yeah, that to me has been one of the, the biggest surprises of the season Absolutely. for me is Derek Etienne just really, really struggling for this team. I, I was not expecting that at all. We no. saw what he did in Columbus. We saw what he did with Red Bulls. He felt like a perfect fit here. Should be tailor-made for this team. Yeah, and it's just not working. No. It is just not working for him at all. I think he's really tried to build his confidence up. I think that's why he got the opportunity tonight. And he just did not get enough out of it. Just didn't. All right. Well, now it's on to League's Cup, and it's on to Inter-Miami. And the little guy coming up a week from Tuesday, uh, the best player in the world against Atlanta United. How much will we even see? Will he be a starter? Will he be a sub? Oh, by the way, a reunion now between Atlanta United and Tata Martino, which almost feels like a secondary or tertiary headline. It's going to be a wild <laughs> week from Tuesday down in Fort Lauderdale. We'll look ahead to that and say goodnight after this. Atlanta United 2-1 losers tonight to Orlando on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Atlanta, it's WCGC HD1. Always free on the Odyssey app. That should be it. That is it. Full time. This is the Full Time Report on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. 
again, Atlanta United falling to Orlando City. Uh, 2-1 this evening here at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Only the second time Atlanta United has ever lost to Orlando in this building. And the first time was the COVID year uh, with no fans in here in 2020. So uh, Orlando, to their credit, coming into the Benz and coming from behind to beat Atlanta United tonight. And now MLS goes on pause for uh, about a month. In fact, a little more than a month. And League's Cup begins late next week. Atlanta United will be one of the last teams into League's Cup. They'll wait until a week from Tuesday. Down at Drive Pink Stadium in Fort Lauderdale. And uh, who knows? I mean, we, we think Messi. I, we know, yeah, we I know think Tata Martino. Yeah. Maybe Busquets. Maybe, Maybe Jordi Alba. Like, I Maybe. mean, this is surreal thinking about uh, what Atlanta United might be facing. I think my biggest question is um, it's going to be Messi's Second game with Inter Miami, assuming he plays against Cruz Azul, and I just wonder how fit is he going to be, and how how much chemistry is he going to have with this Inter Miami team right from the jump? I am almost expecting that Messi is going to have a bumpier transition to Major League Soccer than some are expecting. I'm not so sure of that, and uh, the reason why is. He's not a player at this stage of his career that you're asking to run around a lot. You're you're not going to be asking him to lead the press. You're not going to be asking him to make 20 sprints off the ball. You're going to tell your team, get the ball to number 10 and let him cook. And I think Messi's a guy who can do that. You can drop him into any team and you give him the ball, he's going to find open men. Is he going to be sharp? No. How long will it take him to get his sharpness will be the key. He'll still be extremely good. I was going to say, not 100% sharp. Messi is still really, really good. Still insanely good. (laughs) Um, He's just a different player than than these other big names that have come into the league that do different things, different positions. I I think for him, it's get guys around him who can run. And and the question for me is, I I get – signing Sergio Busquets and Sergio Busquets is one of the best holding midfielders to ever play the game he's not fleet of foot he's a he's best in a team that dominates possession because he's so good on the ball if you ask him to defend a lot you're in trouble if you have Messi as the 10 and you have Busquets as the six somebody's got to run for both of them and recover the ball and win the ball back and get stuck into tackles I don't know who that's going to be. And, and that's what's going to turn Miami for me. I, they're going to be uh, just the island of misfit toys this season because you're going to have incredible players, but there's not going to be a fit of players. You're going to add guys. You're going to be chopping and changing. It's next year that you're going to start to see things look coherent. Can they still be dangerous? Yes, because Lionel Messi, like Tiago Almada tonight, almost rescued a point with a free kick. Lionel Messi can put free kicks in the back of the net Anytime he can walk into a, a stadium right now and put a free kick into the back of the net, but he can also open up the game with those passes. So even when they're not looking good or coherent, they can still be dangerous because he's one of the best to ever play the game. It is a group stage match. So Atlanta United, if they get just a result down there, they would be in pretty good shape then coming back here against Cruz Azul, a team not off to a very good start. You might only need a result in that one to move on. Uh, two of the top three teams in each group will advance. So uh, we'll explain it to you in uh, great detail over the next week. But our next broadcast, a week from Tuesday, down in Miami, 
or Fort Lauderdale. Drive Pink Stadium will be on the air 7 o'clock with the five stripes countdown and the kickoff a little after 7.30 for Atlanta United against Lionel Messi and Inter-Miami. How surreal is that? That'll be our next broadcast, next league match for Atlanta United, not until August 22nd against Seattle Sounders, so it'll be a while. That'll do it for tonight. Chris Thomas and Dom Shirosky, our producers, Miller Pope, our engineer. For Jason Longshore, I'm Mike Conti. The final score again, Orlando defeats Atlanta United 2-1 here on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. You've been listening to the Full-Time Report, a complete wrap-up of today's Atlanta United game. Tune in for complete match day coverage all season long. The home for our Atlanta United is Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network, from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.